Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 charger. <laughs> How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Yeah. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Can we get to it? Just get to it. I want to be done. Hurry up. Okay. You want to, you want to get us going no, or you want me no, to No, there's it? no beginning. This is the beginning, okay? This is Talking Tesla. What is the number? 179. I'm tired. Tom's tired. Uh-huh. Everybody's tired. It's the middle of COVID. And just tell me what happened with SpaceX because that's awesome. All right, Robert. This is the Rosenblum Show. We're calling this officially episode 179, Mel and Tom. Eh. Mel and Tom. Asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Robert put all this together. So let's go, Robert. What's this the first like, thing you would not... Robert, you get to be Michael Jordan. You get to carry the entire team to a championship. Go. Right. Mel is a very injured Scotty Pippen. I'm a very messed up Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and, and you are MJ. So let's go. Let's win. A, let's get a ring here, So buddy. do you know what just happened within the last few hours? It's It's what? It's... Uh, Tuesday evening, the latest show we've ever recorded. Uh-huh. It's actually 9 p.m. Pacific time, beyond both of your bedtimes. Crazy, isn't it? What just happened within the last few hours? Starship. Hop test. Starship hop test. It launched. It went 150 meters. It came down. It was hard to see the little legs pop out. I kind of glimpsed a little bit of a leg on the corner in one of the views, and it landed no boom, or as Mel would say... That was upsetting. I was hoping for a a bit of a boom. No kaboomy. And gorgeous. Gorgeous. I think Elon tweeted, one step closer to Mars. I feel like it took off, and then it moved a little bit to the right in the shot. But I feel like... I feel like Mars is way farther than 150 <laughs> meters. It just feels like it just feels like like they didn't even really get close. I agree. It uh, it isn't as far as Mars. Mars is definitely closer. You are one astute podcaster, <laughs> Senor. <laughs> and it was uh, it was one of those uh, one of those them there them fancy old Raptor engines they got yeah. on that thing, right? They got how many? How many engines? Was it just it was one just Raptor? one Raptor. You could see it kind of pivot as it was mm-hmm. moving the, the Starship around. And uh, this was Raptor engine serial number 27 on Starship serial mm-hmm. number 5. I think, uh, you know, the world breathed a sigh of relief. And many SpaceX fans were jumping up and down for joy in the light of this event. Do you think... Ford knows that Elon's calling his engine a Raptor because that's their high-end F-150 sort that's of That's true, but they are trying to stick with, you know, biologic names, Falcon, and Raptor. Not, I guess Merlin would technically be a biologic name. Uh, I don't know. Do You know, is, is Ford willing real. to take on Elon right now? 
Nobody can take on Elon right now. He is on a roll. I don't know if you heard that noise in the background. That was me taking my standing desk and putting it into the sitting position for only the third time in its 10-year history. And Tom, I think you put this static desk together for me, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's because you've been tired going against Elon? Is that why you're sitting down, Mel? Is that, you didn't get the connection. I've had a very busy day. I had a full day, and mm-hmm. then I had a full day of play. So I've had two full days in one. Two full days. All right, so now SpaceX achieved another milestone yesterday. Did you watch? I no? did watch. Is, there, is it just me? I mean, so it's exciting when, like, they, they launch dudes into space, like humans on the, on the yeah, tip of the capsule. Yeah, there's a couple capsule. of dudettes, too, Is it, yeah. like, a tiny bit anticlimactic when they come back, right? Because really... <laughs> It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not as compelling. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like I watched it and it's like the only real kind of interesting aspect is like, did they get the angle right? Are these guys going to bounce off the outer atmosphere and just head off into space? And that would be it. Sorry, Bob and Doug. The splashdown part was, um, it definitely felt like it was like 1974 again. It's like, so we've got all these rockets. We've been seeing them land, all this incredible technology. You've got the touchscreens, like, and still you have to pop out the old parachutes that are 100 years old and drop into the ocean. Uh-huh. Yeah, but these were yeah. really high-tech parachutes. See? And uh, I think that the science has gotten better, though it didn't necessarily look any different than it did back in the days of Apollo. But uh, this was a big deal. And it went very smoothly. Wonderful. This was, of course, the second demo mission. And now they've got six contracted missions to the space station for the NASA International Space Station. I guess it would be European Space Agency, Japanese Space Agency. And this contract for the six trips is worth $2.6 billion for SpaceX. Which Elon will barely even notice. I know. You might have noticed <laughs> Do you, are you sitting on Spilkus the whole time when you watch these going, please don't blow up, please don't blow up. There are two people in there. Please don't blow up. Lord, yeah, normally when I there's like people, a good SpaceX explosion, but not when there's yeah. people in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when there's people in there, like the, the launches are, are definitely very gripping. And then obviously when they dock with the space station, when they disembark from the space station, all of these like key things. And then of course, like re-entry. And then, but like once the chutes open... The only thing, and and maybe this is just my own personal problem, like the only thing I was thinking was, man, I really hope that thing doesn't sink when like it hits the water because we don't want to lose Bob and Doug, man. It's Bob and Doug. They're the space dads. Yeah, they called them the space dads Bob and Doug McKenzie. (laughs) I wish they would do that. Well, they did do, they did have some, (laughs) some mischievous fun while they were bobbing around in the water and waiting for... Did you, I'm sure you guys saw this. All those boats, some dude with a huge Trump flag, all those boats invaded the landing space and they had to get mm-hmm. them out of the way so that they could bring the capsule or capsule back on board of the of the recovery ship. I thought that was kind of a ballsy move and also kind of an asshole move by the people in those boats. Florida. Yeah, Florida men. Florida men. And so all that time while they're they're waiting for those boats to clear out and they're working on getting them into the onto the ship, you know what they were doing? Making satellite phone calls. They were making prank calls. They were calling all over. They called like mission control and they said, "Yeah, 
this is Bob and, and Doug, and we're just bobbing around. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're really getting a you're getting a real thrill out of that one, buddy. Uh, I you're thought it was great. Benkin Benkin called get... his wife, who's also an astronaut, and she said that she got this uh-huh. like it said spam alert on her phone that she was getting a call, and she was like, "Oh, I think I'll answer it." And sure enough, it's her husband on the satellite phone from the space capsule. I never answer those spam risk calls. This is not, I would have been like, sorry, Bob and Doug, you're yeah. out of business. I just think, who, I don't know anybody named Spam. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of, I mean, if I had a satellite phone, who in the world would be the most likely, I should say, the most easy about screwing off with a satellite phone? Somebody on the government's dime who just landed from space and they're just kind of looking for some shit to do. I thought that was pretty funny. I'd call back in time or something cool. Uh, I'd call myself. Hello? You know, when I was 12. I don't think that's how satellite hello. phones work. No, I think it does, Tom. I don't think you understand the technology. So, crates? <laughs> so, crates, are you there? Nobody, nobody understands it better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so, uh, this is the second uh-huh. of two demo missions. Now, they're set for the first crew mission, which will take place at the uh-huh. end of September. That's sort of, they're not giving a date. And on that... Uh, mission they're mm-hmm. going to send up four astronauts so they're doubling the payload and uh uh-huh. did they bring that dinosaur thing i back don't know but them? you know what i did see nope i saw this dude flying around what is Earth. that people can't see that no. it's like a purple pig <laughs> floating it's Earth. a celestial it's Earth. buddies earth pillow and this is what they had in the first demo mission that sort of was sitting on a seat and then all of a sudden you saw it sort of take off and start floating around the cabin. And that indicated they were now in zero G. And it looks like they took it back again or they re- were retrieving it on this mission because I saw it as they were getting back into the, the capsule of the, uh, of the return flight. Why do you keep saying it like that? I don't know. Somebody said that and it just <laughs> caught in my head. So... Crew one is coming up in September. There's going to be four astronauts, including Uh a Japanese astronaut. They've already set crew two is going to go off in spring of 2021. And it's got a link Uh to this demo two, demo two, crew two. Turns out Benkin's wife, the one he prank called and said, uh, you know, Uh this is Prince Albert in the can, which literally could have worked in that situation. Uh, his wife is also an astronaut. She's going to go up in the spring in the SpaceX Crew 2 launch. That's pretty cool. Why do we have to wait till spring for the next crew? COVID. I don't know. Uh, I believe it's uh, due to COVID because everything is COVID. (laughs) You can't go up there. You can't be taking COVID up to the space station. My guess is those those guys in the International Space Station were just like, oh my God, we just want to be left alone. You guys got to stop. You got to stop bringing people up here. What do you think uh, this is? We want to come back when this is all done. All right? Just uh, (laughs) call us next summer and we'll come up. So it's because because they, they typically, when they're going on a typical mission, they stay for six months. So that's why six uh, months. Yes. It's that's a long. So they're time. gonna these four are gonna go up there. So Bob, Bob and or Doug, whichever one is married to Megan, is is gonna be on Earth for six months. Yeah, taking care of the kids, thinking, and not not with the partner. Thinking golfing. <laughs> no, I'm, Guys, sure, I'm sure I've said this before many times, but I used to work for NASA. Yes, yes. literally. Well, not 
kind of it was like I did research for NASA. When I first mm -hmm. came to this country, I um, did research on weightlessness and muscle loss in weightless uh, environs. The amount of muscle and connective tissue you lose after six months in space is devastating. Wow. Uh, how, how devastating? Like you be lose, more specific than devastating. You lose fifty percent of your muscle mass within seven days in weightlessness. What if you? What if you're seven like me and you days. start with no muscle mass? Then <laughs> like, actually, you can you lose paradoxically? Zero? My guess is that you become super ripped. <laughs> this is nothing to lose. It just starts again. Oh, no. Tom would be like, ripped. Can you lose fifty percent of zero percent? That's all I want to know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Your body needs gravity, and that's why they have to obsessively exercise. So my thing was about what type of exercise, and you want to do weight sort of based exercise. But they excessively exercise. But then you see them when they come back and try and stand up. Uh, that's like trying to do a three hundred pound deadlift. It's very yeah. Difficult. Well, on the recovery ship, they brought up a stretcher and a pillow, and they put him in a stretcher. And then they put him in their medical unit and put him in a helicopter and poof, they go away. How long do you have to be in space for said effects to take place, Dr. Herbert? Almost instantly. In uh, the models we used, within seven days, 50% uh, loss of your muscle mass if you didn't exercise. Within seven days? Yep. So that means there ain't going to be no baby making in space. No, when that's you're in space, you can do be the lots exercise. of stuff. But uh, <laughs> if you don't exercise, if you don't, you're seeing them, they'll have like rubber bungees on and they'll be doing running on these things to try and simulate some of that stuff too. It's just kind of crazy. Humans aren't supposed to float around in space. Or you're supposed to go, not come back. Because the coming back is very mm. difficult. Well, it's a good thing Mars. So, but like, let's say you're on Mars. Yeah. And you're there for two years. Yeah. And then is it better to just stay on Mars and then you'll have no real impacts because your body will sort of adapt to Mars and the problem yeah. would be, like you said, if you come back? On Mars, you have, I can't remember, it's not, it's less, the moon is like a sixth of the gravity, Mars is a half a third. or third or something, I can't remember. Yeah, you start to, you lose all this extra muscle because you don't need it because most of your muscles like stenses. It's trying to, you know, hold you upright so you can walk around and stuff. So you lose a lot of that. And then you start to lose a bunch of calcium from your bones because they don't need to be that strong because of gravity. So coming back after prolonged periods in those places is very difficult. There's a tremendous amount of rehab that you have to do. So if you go on to Mars, just stay there, all right? You lose all that stuff, just The stay real there. problem is if you go from Earth to Mars, and then to Jupiter, then you're totally screwed. Because mm -hmm. Jupiter is like a lot nine times, you're nine times heavier. There's so much nerddom happening on this podcast right now. It is just so thick with inside Jupiter jokes. <laughs> I'm going to find out what Jupiter is Mars gravity comments. relative to Earth. Oh, I was right. a third. So uh, on the, it's a third. It's like 0.376. There you go. It's almost as if Robert's not talking. It's almost as if Robert isn't here. Yeah. I'm just a... That means that I could <laughs> pound a golf ball on Mars a long Don't way. Don't you remember? No, because you'd lose your muscle mass on the way to Mars. That's you'd true. Lose By the time I get 50 there, 50% of your muscle mass. So you'd, have, you'd be able weak. to hit the ball just as far, but you'll be... 
98 pounds, no, technically. Yeah, so I'm going to have to say, Elon, get me to Mars super fast while I haven't lost my muscle mass because I really want to hit a 1,000. Well, you're not getting there in three days. But don't you remember the uh, the movie quote? Jump, Virginia, jump, where the dude comes from Earth to Mars and the Martians are, you know, adapted to their gravity, but he's adapted to Earth's gravity and he can jump amazingly far. So what was that terrible Disney movie? Yeah, I can't called? remember because it's such a piece of crap. Which movie? It's a terrible Disney movie and the it's apparently was like a famous cartoon or right. something. And then it, it, it goes to Mars and he's like a Western gunslinger and he ends up in Mars. Well, it was terrible. That it was pretty terrible. bad. Yeah, well, it was. It might have been a good book. And it was like Disney lost like $500 million. Yeah, but my son and I watched it when he was a kid, and we just thought it was the funniest thing, but not good. All right. So that uh, we've got John Carter. John Thank Carter. You. John yeah, Carter. That was- Budget of uh, like $350 million, oh. and it made like eight. <laughs> yeah. But they ate very well while it was being filmed. So the the, the food on the set was very good. So we've got crew trips going all the way through till the spring of 2023. I'm looking forward to many more uh, launches and landings. And of course, it's going to get to be like all of the other SpaceX missions boring after a short period of time. Did you watch? How much of the webcast did you gentlemen watch? Did you happen to see... The images of Elon and Gwen in Hawthorne? Yes. yes, I did. I was watching. And at first they didn't say anything. Well, at least I missed the part where they said that. But I'm like, that looks like Gwen and yeah, Elon. Yeah, sitting next to each and other. And then I was watching the dude that I thought was Elon go down to his phone. Tugga, yep. tugga, 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 and then two seconds later, I'd get a tweet. And I'm like, yes. that's Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he was he was randomly not wearing his mask, even though every single other person in that room never touched no, their there mask. There was a woman and who it didn't turns have out a mask on. Elon well. Elon is like a big time face toucher. Mm. Like he was taking his shirt off and, and, and put touching his forehead and taking his mask off and drinking coffee and they somebody brought him like a coffee and a bar or something like that while he was sitting there next to Gwen and I thought to myself how many? How much do you want to bet that a memo went out saying that like all people in mission control will be mandatorily wearing masks, and then Elon shows up, sits in the front row without his mask on, and every once in a while he put his mask on. But there were like two people basically videotaping and photographing just Elon the whole time. Yeah, I'm waiting. F- I'm waiting for that documentary. You know there's a behind-the-scenes documentary going on. It's going to be like 20 years from now. It's going to be like the last dance, and it's going to be like, woo-hoo. It's going to be so exciting. And then there was... And, and I feel if Robert is going to play uh, Dennis Rodman in that version <laughs> of the show. Yeah, I put a bunch boy. of tats all over my bad face. Boy. Bad boy for And life. then there was a dude sitting on the other side of Gwen. Did you notice his footwear? He was wearing flip-flops. I'm thinking, that's awesome. We've gone from landing men from space. It hasn't been women yet. Landing men from space while everybody's wearing thin black ties and looking very conservative to some dude in flip-flops with his feet smell all over mission control, basically. I thought... Was that Hawthorne yeah. that we were looking at? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we've been. We stood. We stood in that room. We. I know. I was saying to my son, I'm pretty sure that that's where we went to visit. Uh, you know, the uh, SpaceX. 
in the whole thing. Yeah, so the left side of that shot outside the glass is the cafeteria area. The, the dead center spot with the blue tables is where they do all the carbon fiber lamination, cutting, and CNCing, where they do the different layers of stuff for building like the nose cones and, and whatever they make out of carbon fiber. And then to the right is where they do the engine final assembly on the on the Raptor yeah. uh, engines. You remember a couple of years ago when we were there, they were showing like, this is the human capsule. This is what we're, we're planning to do. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's never going to happen. That's so far in the future. <laughs> and that happened. How long ago were that we was there? The, that, was, that was likely the capsule we saw. I know. It's, that, I was saying that to Mike. I was like, I think we saw that when we were there. Was that four years ago? Three years ago? What was that? Well, we've been we've been twice. The second time, it was much busier, much more packed. Remember, we had to like sort of skirt our ways around the fairings, so like the fairings were kind of in the main mm. area of the hallway. But the the capsule they had they had the sort of clean room where the capsules were inside of, right next to their titanium three uh, D printing uh, room, machine shop kind of thing, and then they had various like stage ones and twos in, in like various stages of build and then about you know at any one time they're working on kind of a dozen engines so it was sort of like you wonder how many of those engines how many of those stages we've seen sort of land and take off and and do they did thing at this they point. did blow so, yeah, one to so, smithereens pretty cool so i think they're working on building another one. but this one that they just used is going to be used again in the spring uh when Benkin's wife goes up so i wonder I'm just wondering, do you think he made a little graffiti on the inside for her? Bob, Bob was, here. was here. Yeah. And she might very well sit in his seat, although I think she's going to be the co-pilot on that one. So here's something that you gentlemen may or may not know. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that, that she won't be sitting in his seat because every seat is custom built for oh, each astronaut. Did you know that? So each astronaut is custom fitted with like every part, every aspect of it. And in the broadcast, the reason they said this is, let's say for some reason, there's like a 48 hour hold or something happens and they're in those seats for 48 hours. They have to be like uber ultra comfortable. I wonder, do they get to keep their seat kind of the since no one else can use it, convert it into a desk chair? My guess is they don't get to keep it. But they probably store them like ah. at Mission Control or in, in Florida. And then if they're going to go back up, they can just get another seat. Just but I, dust I don't it off and know how it works. But just I thought that was pretty cool. House. So what did Elon say on the wrap up? I thought this was very I thought this was worth mentioning. Elon said, quote, we are going to the moon. We are going to have a base on the moon. And he's doing this with his arm just swinging. We are going to send people to Mars and make life multiplanetary. This day heralds a new age of space exploration. And that was the most magnanimous statement of the whole wrap-up of this mission. And it was from Elon. You would think that comes from, I don't know, the vice president who's supposed to be the point person on this, or Bridenstein from NASA. The vice president of the yeah, United I mean, like, States? Yeah, no, those people, those people don't, they don't do inspirational, yeah. Robert. No, That's I'm not just, their thing. I'm just positing that maybe you would think, you know, because it was President Kennedy who, you know, made the statement, we're going to go to yep. the moon. Yes, Mal. But don't, don't you feel like, um, I read a lot of sci-fi and stuff and uh, what's happening is what some really insightful Mostly American science fiction writers have postulated in the last few decades, which is 
Governments okay. are withdrawing from big, thoughtful, um, you know, infrastructure-like things like going to space and stuff, and they're ceding it more and more to just private industry. And we're seeing that happen. So science fiction is so interesting because it sort of tries to predict the future. You have some very smart people who understand science who then try and project forward. And it's happening. And, um, you know, the moon is going to be colonized by China. It's going to be colonized by SpaceX. Amazon is going to be going to, you know, Mars. And, and it's not going to be the way it used to be. And that makes me very sad. It's not countries... It's not collaborative events between countries. It's going to be these gigantic multinational corporations that have the time, money, and enthusiasm to do this. And it's kind of sad to me that um, we've lost that. They're still thing. getting that. We're still getting that money from the government, though. I mean, that was the NASA administrator was very clear about that, right? That they. The reason that they're doing this is because they think they can innovate better, right? They compete against one another as opposed to NASA. I don't know the, the way that the unfortunate way that the government sort of contracts go, they're not, they're competitive to get the contracts, but once you have it, you have it. And then you're not like the innovation sort of stops. And, and that's one of the things that was happening at NASA is they were a little bit stagnant. And as you can see, opening this up and, and SpaceX, you know, using its sort of brain power to be like, all right, well, we're going to land and we're going to catch in our nets and, and we're going to build all kinds of amazing things. I, I mean, you saw the sort of sparse interior of that dragon capsule. Have you ever seen, like, did you see what the inside of like up the Apollo things look like? The things were just jam packed. It looked like you're inside a, a beige CPU from 1972 or something like that. There's just yeah. everywhere. But yeah, no, that's, you know, tech, that's a technology thing that's changed. But I, I guess I haven't really thought through my thoughts on this, but I'm just trying to say that I'm a little bit anxious about corporations. Um, doing these grand things because they're big enough and they're yeah. smart enough and not um, governments that theoretically are more owned by the peeps. Uh, the idea yeah. that Jeff Bezos or Elon mm -hmm. will be, you know, going to other planets and starting crap up and not sort of some thing that's part of an entire country. It's like your tax dollars are going towards it. You help pay for that yourself, Uh I don't know. I, again, not thought through, just a little bit anxious yeah. about uh, there'll be the Disney part of Mars, there'll be the Amazon part of Mars, there'll be the Tesla part of Mars, but where's the just average Joe who paid taxes for 30 years part of Mars? Yeah, that, that part of Mars, you're right, doesn't exist. But I do have a question about science fiction writers. So let's say 20 years ago you wrote a science fiction book about uh, a company – going to Mars, building landers, building, you know, stage rockets that could land and all this stuff. Uh, once that stuff comes true, do you have to move it to uh, science, like, nonfiction? Yes. Like, how, how does that work? Like, does it, do you have to relabel those books? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question, Tom. <laughs> but good science fiction is just... It, great science fiction is only, like, 10 or 20 years in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. It's sort of predicting where things are going. Science fiction that's just like completely out there is like, well, one day we'll be able to make, you know, something out of nothing is not as interesting to me yeah. as somebody that's smart enough to think further. Like Kim Stanley Robinson's Mars series 
is like right at the edge of what is possible. So that's sort of like 50 years from now, when they're terraforming Mars, uh, we'll be looking back at Tim, Kim Stanley Robinson's thing saying, wow, that happened. And that's, right, but once we get to Mars, yeah. which could be in the next 10 mm-hmm. years, they're going to start terraforming that puppy. Yeah, but Mars, I mean, like, again, NASA just sent a, a, a mission to Mars, right? They sent another rover, very big rover, and uh, and the first helicopter, the first sort of drone ship, which they're going to be flying around Mars. And this this trip is actually quite interesting because they're, like, going to collect samples and then leave them on the surface for the next thing to go and, and pick them up and bring them back. Some weird kind of thing was is going on, so... Pretty interesting. Tell me how that uh, helicopter mission. works in a atmosphere which is so thin. It's going to have to spin like a mother. Yes. Ever. How does that yes. work? It's going to be interesting. It's going to have to spin faster. So since you're talking about it, it's interesting that the next Mars perigee is going to be October 13th. And after that, so that's what they're aiming for, right? You've got like a six-week period in which you can launch, or maybe it's a three-week period in which you can launch to Mars to catch that shortest distance between Earth and Mars. So we've just passed, you know, the opportunity to launch to Mars, basically. In December of 2022 comes the next. So will SpaceX be able to get that Raptor engine on Starship and Super Heavy all coordinated and launching to send something to Mars. I don't know, just a rocket with a portion of it full of fuel and land it for like a test case so that come 2025 in January, they can actually put something of substance on Mars, maybe a person. So it's it's about every two years. A little right? over two this, years, this yes. closeness is 26 months. Yeah. Right, but the question, I guess, is do they... Do they have a rocket right now besides Star? Because, like, theoretically, it's Starhopper, right? That's supposed yes. to be able to go to Mars. Like, Heavy can't heavy can. make it, right? It can, but can? I don't think it has nearly the capacity. And Elon has already said they're not going to be developing it anymore. I think that it's sort of a, an also-ran. It's not going to be flying much unless a company or a country needs something heavy taken to orbit or something heavy to a very far out orbit. So I don't think that the Falcon Heavy is going to be doing a whole lot of anything in the future. Unless, of course, you know, Starship meets some untimely end or something about it doesn't work. But certainly it doesn't sound like it's going to be Boeing because Boeing got the same contract. Well, I shouldn't say the same, but they also got a contract from NASA to fly six sets of missions to the International Space Station. However, their contract was $4.2 billion, which is almost twice. And their capital is not, not even, even ready. ready. It's almost twice as much money right. as SpaceX got. And they, they're, they're not even ready. Yeah. Nobody's even talking about it. It's interesting. Interesting, interesting. Right. But the rover that just launched on July 30th, right, yes. Perseverance, it's on its way to Mars yes. right now. It's going to get there. Like, so that's what I don't understand. I thought the windows were kind of smallish, but so one just left to go to Mars, and you're saying there's another window? No, in that is the moment at which Mars and the Earth are the closest, October 13th. But of course, you've got, you know, 
room on either side of that date that you're going to be within mm-hmm. a, a close enough period, you know, close enough distance. So between now and then is when you should start to launch right. is what you're saying, right? Like this is, this is the launch window has opened for Mars and this one's going to take quite a while to go. It's not going to get there until February 18th, but it's a good size rover. Yeah. I don't know why they launched so late. It seems like it was kind of late and I don't know if that's because they're looking for a particular like uh, launch uh, site on Mars and that it, you have to wait for Mars. But, you know, Mars rotates, I think it's every 26 hours. So that shouldn't be the case. I have a feeling that uh, maybe they launched a little late. They're going to have to burn up a little extra fuel. It's supposed to launch, yeah, land on February 18th. So that's definitely well beyond. That's six months beyond uh, when... Earth and Mars are at its closest. Right. And it's 314 million miles. Is that a long way? You get a lot of frequent fire miles. It seems like a big number to me. Like, I can't even really fathom how far a million miles. Like, how many times around the Earth is a million miles? Have you been around the Earth? No. Me neither. Yeah. A million it's, miles is a long way, so therefore, three hundred million miles is three hundred ways. Million long ways. I mean, it's way. It's a lot more than a ton. That's for sure. Yeah, no, it this is, is next level. We've gone from F more to like a F and T. Gigaton. <laughs> oh, wow. terra. Come no, I think it's terra. Now. Terra ton. The location is a 28-mile-wide, 500-meter-deep crater that once housed a lake. So they are really like, this is a search for life. And it, it took off in from Florida, right next door to SpaceX, for, on a ULA uh, rocket, which I think Boeing is involved in ULA, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Definitely. And Boeing is very much struggling, and they could really use the $4 billion uh, from their space program. Yeah, I think they're guaranteed that money. I think the way Boeing yeah. works is that they're guaranteed it even if they don't perform. Yeah. Oh, that's a good job. Yeah. I would like that job. <laughs> hey, Tom, here's a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, come in if you want. Don't. Uh, produce. Don't. Uh, we'll pay you. It's all good. Is this official? Yeah. Just, I just thought we'd do that <laughs> If you want to awesome. build a rocket that works or doesn't, four billion, you're good with that. Well, I mean, you know, like it, it sometimes you build a rocket and it just doesn't work because building rockets is hard. Mel, I don't know if you knew that about rockets, but they're very. There's a very lot of stuff that's hard, so you know, whatever you do, Tom, it's fine. If you do it or don't, <laughs> you get you're getting paid. All right, it's all good. All right. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know. I don't know how long the flight they're planning on with this helicopter, but I'm looking very forward to those images coming back of like this drone flying around Mars delivering pizzas and stuff like that. All of a sudden, you just see like a, pizza, pizza. something throws a rock at it, and you're like, oh. Let me ask you this. They go to Mars, they end up in this crater, and they find life there. Do people freak out? massively hard on this planet if like the reality is there's something living on mars they don't let and nothing ever comes back from mars if that happens right so if they find life it's going to be primordial ooze 
it's going to be so a, say. an amino acid. It's going to be a primitive bacteria. But because do you remember when they landed the first uh, rover on Mars? Somebody mocked up a lizard sort of running over the lens. <laughs> and it's interesting because uh, a lot of my friends, and I'm like seeing this, and I'm like, that is so fake. And they're like, no, there's life on Mars. They showed this lizard. I'm like, if there's actual multicellular lizard organisms on Mars, oh my God. Uh, the whole universe is teeming with life. This is ridiculous. Uh, it's clearly a fake. So most people wouldn't get it, even if it was a bacteria. If they found a living, alive bacterium, people that understand science and stuff are going to lose their minds because that would mean that the universe is probably teeming with life. But we haven't seen any evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah, but but like they're, I don't want them to bring it back. No, you probably, you know, if, if we have a coronavirus where um, it's sort of related to other coronaviruses that's effing things up, a virus mm -hmm. from Mars that has uh, the potential to kill everything, mm -hmm. we should probably not bring that home. Yeah, that's like uh, like Andromeda strain. I don't the think Andromeda that's going to happen. What's more likely to happen is that whatever gets to ride shotgun on the stuff we send to Mars will obliterate anything right. that might live there because we're that's, sending all kinds of nasty stuff up. That's what um, actually part of the Kim Stanley Robinson book is like that is uh, what if there is primitive life on Mars? It's just getting started. And we send our rockets there with all our filth and nastiness that then takes over, we could basically be performing genocide. And so that's why uh, in those books, it's what series, we do. Like, it's our thing. We shouldn't go there until we're absolutely sure there's nothing alive because if we go there, right. our filth will kill everything. But hey, since we've killed everything here, let's kill everything in a few other planets. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it. for me, one of the most interesting things on Perseverance, which so the name of the rover is Perseverance and the name of the drone is Ingenuity or Ingenuity. I don't know. Ingenuity, I guess, is yeah. is what it will be called. But there is a a a uh, a piece of equipment on the on the rover called the Moxie, which is going to produce oxygen out of Martian CO2. You do mean so they're 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 really sort of like they're going all in. We're terraforming like, this let's puppy. See, let's see if we can make some oxygen out of your little CO two. There's like radar and a weather station, laser microimager, panoramic cameras, an X ray spectrometer, an ultraviolet spectrometer. There's some cool. Sh but here's the thing, right? Like that whole thing about rock analysis. Uh, again, like, I don't want them to bring them back. Like, where are they going to bring them? They're just going to, like, bring them into Florida and throw them in some dude's closet, and, like, that's going to be that? Yeah, it's just going to drop them into Miami, and you'll be at the rave bar. And then, uh, you know, we're all dead. No, that just, that doesn't Have you guys like been to Cape Canaveral? Have you guys seen the Kennedy Launch Center? No. Space Center? I have not. So no. when you go in... In this big giant hangar where they have a, it's a real um, Saturn V rocket that's suspended up in the ceiling. 
So you get the sense of how huge this thing is. In one of the displays they have along the wall is a piece of moon rock. And they've obviously gone over it and, you know, inspected it so that there's nothing alive on it. And you can actually put your finger under this thing and touch the moon rock. So if they do that with something from Mars, I'm all over it. I am so excited to check that out. You're going to you're going to go and you're going to go and touch it. I am going to touch the hell out of it. I thought it took a lot longer to get to Mars than 6 or 7 months. Depends on how fast no, you go, that, but yeah. The he, I think he, Elon was talking about trying to do it in 3 months, trying to really shorten the time um you get it when Earth and Mars are really close together and then book it because being in space uh for a long time is bad. And the radiation and the such. I thought that's what he was trying to get it down to. It was three months. Maybe, but I think it, I think that has to do with ion engines. So engines that don't burn a lot of heavy fuel that you can turn on for a long period of time and really get an acceleration going. So, I, you know, the, temp, the, the technology is coming along. And, uh, you know, like you said, Mel, would you have expected this to have happened? three or four years ago when you were standing in SpaceX looking at the Dragon crew capsule? Yeah. No. So who the hell knows what's going to be in two years in uh, December of 2020. I'm sorry, 2022 or January of 2025. Who knows what's going to happen coming up to those uh, close approximations of Mars. There may be a lot of new stuff going on, especially if AI starts figuring it out for us. Do we know what kind of vehicle they're going to send to Mars to pick up the samples that this thing is leaving? Uh, it's Uber Eats, like, I think. Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah, no, but there's actually two other. There are two other uh, missions that launched to Mars in July. There's the the United Arab Emirates sent their Hope orbiter, and China sent the Tianwen-1. And I'm not sure what those missions are going to do, but, you know, there's a lot of activity going on in Mars, in Mars in Mars space, so to speak. We are in a new space race, and it's sort of flown under the, uh, the, the wire, uh, under the, what do you fly under? You fly under uh, things? The radar. radar. Thank you. you. Under the radar. Ah, thank you. That's what you, yeah, the, there's a new space race in the moon is sort of back in play, but clearly the big thing that people are going for is Mars. Yeah, to have Saudi Arabia, China, U.S., private corporations going like uh, Mars is where it's at. This, isn't, this is a level of flying around in the universe that we haven't seen in 50 years. This is the new space race. Everybody's trying to get to Mars and put up their flag. And also to a lot of different asteroids to grab the metals that are on them. I mean, you know, some of these asteroids are made completely of nickel. And you remember Tesla earnings call just, what, two weeks ago, just before our last show? Uh, Elon said, we need nickel, nickel. If you mine nickel, we'll get all your nickel. Well, you know, if you can land on a asteroid or a yeah, big asteroid that's like whatever billion tons of nickel... Uh, and just chip it off and bring it back, that might be cheaper than trying to dig this stuff out of the ground here and more environmentally friendly. But, uh, 
And we are like having a real nickel shortage. Like I go into all the stores and they're just, they don't know. Nobody has any nickels. That's funny. Just like there's, there's no, there's no nickels anywhere. It's like I went to, to Vaughn's and no, no nickels and no, no, no nickels at Whole Foods. I, and I was like, wow, Elon was really like, people must've just been sending Elon his nickels after he made that announcement. So actually, I watched a TED talk a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago, and uh, the scientist was saying the ability to like capture smaller asteroids and bring them uh-huh. to within Earth orbit so that you could mine them again, sort of sci-fi stuff. And he said, uh, "Yeah, like there's some of these rare Earth metals that are really common in asteroids." If you could actually grab one of these things, bring it close to Earth, and then send up spaceships and mine it and bring it back to Earth, you'd be kind of rich at a, a level which has never been seen before. Trillionaire would not begin to describe how rich you could be. And again, we are just at this threshold where this stuff could be possible. Like, we need a lot of nickel. There's an asteroid over there. We are starting to get to the place where we could start mining that and bring it home. It feels like uh aliens we're gonna start mining uh, the universe and bring back some slimy guy that has acid for blood and we're all gonna die right because that's a, it goes back to my whole thing about are we gonna be checking the whole like stuff that's on this thing before we bring it back all of a sudden you've got you've got sort of asteroidal nickel and they bring that over to the old gigafactory and turn it into 2170 cells you're driving around on a thousand little like pieces of who knows what kind of alien space creature, and then all at once they just come out of the batteries and well, the good news is Tom, Fallout Shelter that almost certainly none of this, nothing alive <laughs> is in any of this, nothing. What? That's nothing. it. It's just us. You think literally. It's just us. There's no. There's I don't think no that. I think. It's I just think that there is a. There's a definite possibility, uh, and I certainly hope. But there's a definite possibility that there is life. But I <laughs> think the elements for life are very complicated, and you have to be in the right place at the right time. And in our solar system, it is extraordinarily unlikely there is At many solar systems away, many hundreds of millions of light years away there is probably life but but they know better be just right they know better than to get anywhere near our sorry souls well i think it's just the tyranny of distance i think there could be an earth that's in alpha centauri but that's four light years away and if you can't travel it you know p- faster than light might as well be in uh uh that's what that's what the Kessel exist. Run is for, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what the Kessel Run is for. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the universe probably has some civilizations around there, but I don't know if we'll ever see them because light is. Not, I've always said this. I've said this before from the beginning of talking Tesla. Light speed is fast over short distances, but over the distance of universes. Light is piss. It's so slow. If I want to go check out the galaxy over there, that's a thousand light years. I'm sorry, but I'm dead. Light, why are you so slow? How long is a light year? Is it a thousand light years? Is it a thousand years at light speed? Yes. Which is how fast? It's slow. 3.6 million 
Mile it's per slow. Second. It's so slow so, over so the distances we want to point something. travel. It's so in a useful. thousand years, a light year is how far something goes in a year traveling at the speed of light. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I mentioned just, that. I, I, think, I only have to say that I'm sure that the Tralfamadorians don't want anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. Nerd alert. That's I don't why know what we Tralfamadorian is, but. That's why we it's need cool. wormholes and just like bend space and trick it so that we can not travel faster than the speed of light, but bend space so that I can kind of go That's a right. thousand light years, but really only just take like a just, 15 minutes. It's all about the mycelium. Hey, have you guys gotten any software updates? Can you tell me what's in my new software yeah. update? Oh my gosh. I got serious software updates. 20. I have a software update waiting to be installed, yes. but it needs to be on Wi-Fi. Yes. So my current software is still the old 24, 2020-24.6.9, which puts me behind all of you. Well, I just got 2020-28.5. I know it's downloaded. Uh, I downloaded it on my way to and from uh, an errand because I just linked my car up to my phone because I don't have any Wi-Fi mm-hmm. either. But I'm dying to know what's in it. And I didn't bother to look up on like uh, Teslarati or something what was in it. But Mel, do you know? I don't. I, these are software tweaks. I've got 2020.28.6. 20, and this is mm-hmm. all tweaks Six. to... yeah. It's all just so we have uh, Sirius XM. We have Sirius XM improvements, tweaks, traffic light and stop sign control, tweaks, tweaks. supercharger improvement, tweaks. tweaks, range display, tweaks, passenger face vent. Oh, here's this is an interesting one. Your car will automatically disable the passenger face vents. When no passenger is detected, lowering energy consumption in hot weather. That's awesome. This is actually quite useful because this is something, although the other day it's been so hot here, I had no passenger and I just moved their vent all the way over to the left to sort of get a little bit more uh, in my general direction. Ooh, and then we have suspension improvements in the Model S and Model X which made ride comfort in high and very high improved through adaptive suspension tamping improvements and reduction in maximum allowed speeds. So that's pretty cool. Also, uh, the same thing again, new language support. Ooh, Polish is now available. That's so that's been, pretty that's cool. That's been for a while, although there is a range display increase. It says your car will now display a slightly higher range to more accurately reflect the capacity of the battery. Hmm. Oh. And they got rid of the Tesla Arcade in Hong Kong in the Model S and Model X. I wonder what that's all about. It says, due to local regulations, the Tesla Arcade has been removed from your car. I wonder if wah, people wah, were ha- wah, hacking wah. it and playing games while they were driving around. Hmm. Well, sadly, well, Hong Kong has turned into mainland China in the last few months. Right. So things have changed. It's just a f- 
just a couple of years ahead of schedule. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. 2050 occurred in 2020. (laughs) That's quite a few years. They got they got confused. They were using like more of like a Mayan calendar sort of a situation. Can I be a little bit of a uh, bitch about this? So we have Elon who was like saying COVID isn't that bad, and uh, you know, free yourself, take the blue pill, and don't wear masks. And uh, it's all about liberty. And then he is so up the buttocks of doing uh, stuff in China, which is a dictatorship. Is there not a little paradox here? Is there not something there that some people would be like, so which one are you, liberty and freedom for all, or are you all about the dictators? Which one are you, Elon? Can I say that? Is that is this why we don't get invited to anything, because I just said that? Yes. Um, that's one of the reasons for sure. But I mean, I think Elon, again, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to call out Elon for doing business in China. I mean, name an American company that is on any major stock indices that isn't doing some form of business in China, right? So let's not, I don't want to necessarily call him out. Obviously he is, you know, the problem with Elon is that he doesn't stop running his Twitter and he doesn't stop running his mouth. And, and uh, again, like we've talked about this many times, I think you just get with Elon what you get with Elon, because I think that's just how he has to be in order to be the way that he is in some ways. And it sucks, right? It's You get the Elon at SpaceX sitting in a room of 50 people not wearing a mask, right? You get the Elon saying, take the red pill. You get the Elon building a factory in Texas when no one else is doing that. You get the Elon building a, ger- a factory in Germany when no one else is building new car factories, right? You get Elon working to, again, push forward sustainable transportation. So you got to sort of, I mean, I think at this point we're taking the good with the bad in a, in a lot of ways. And that's kind of the the reality of the, of the situation because, because it just is it, the, the reality is that you can't, at least the way that the, the world, the economies of this world are set up, you need China. Right. And what we're, what are we hearing about model threes being made in China? Right. Have you heard, have you been listening and hearing these stories? Apparently the quality of the Model 3s coming out of China is way higher than the quality of the Model 3s coming out of Fremont. Now, I don't know if that's anecdotal, if that's real, propaganda on some level, but that's those are the articles, the stories that are currently circulating is that not only is China building factories, fat, that factory super fast, getting cars out at super fast, but they're doing it better. Well, Elon said that basically. He's... Uh and I can't remember the podcast. Uh, it's not in front of me right now. But there's a podcast right now. He did a three-part interview. And one of the ones he did was uh, basically he says, and I'll summarize, Americans got fat and happy. America has been winning for multiple decades, killing it. And then they got fat and happy. And... um now the place where there is innovation and smart people and trying to kill it is China. And so uh, he basically goes on this spiel about uh, China is great, China's amazing, the Chinese, they're working hard, they're innovating. And not so much in America anymore uh, because you've, you can win for too long and that was his spiel. And yet he completely dismisses the fact that it's a dictatorship 
a Orwellian dictatorship, and yeah. I just find that a little bit of a paradox. Yeah. Right, and and then you can also you know you could you could take that a step further, right? America, did we get fat and happy, or did we get safe and secure? Right? Which, did we get which, OSHA? Right. Did did we get workplace safety? Did we get normal? I mean, like we have these forty-hour work weeks, and some countries in Europe think we're insane that we work so freaking hard, right? Right. And so, so it's like it's it's always going to be relative, and it's always going to be some form of balance. But basically, what he's in that particular model that sort of Mel is talking about in this particular moment, it's really about. The nice thing about China is that it super benefits corporations. Right. It's right? super. It's benefits not him. benefiting. It's not. It super benefits all corporations. It super benefits Apple. It super benefits Sony. It super benefits Sega. It super benefits anybody making anything with a piece of wire, a piece of transistor, a piece of plastic in it is benefiting from basically people in China working in less than safe conditions in a lot of senses yeah. than a lot of places here for less money than a lot of places here. Right. And, but the thing is, is it's just a matter of time, right? Because again, China will, as the middle class grows, they happening. will become, yeah. they will become fat and complacent just like us, but no, they're going to become safe and secure. Right. And they're going to be, they're going to want the things that humans want, hope, need, and desire, which is to be, to do a, do work be well compensated for it, get fulfillment out of it, right? And not be forced into something. And so what will happen then? The corporations will do what corporations do. They'll find another impoverished right. country. Bangladesh, to, right? Vietnam. I Indonesia. Right. It's already happened. India. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's been happening for a long time. Thailand to a certain extent, right? And so that that at some point, thankfully... Right, we're going to run out of impoverished company countries <laughs> for corporations to start to find, and then you know, then they're going to have to really start competing, right, on on some other levels. But that is, you know, that that globalism thing is is a for the benefit of corporations and b for the benefit of the shareholders to those corporations, which is again a one percent, two percent minority of people, right? How many people in the United States own? you know, any decent amount of stock in, in, in anything, right. That what these corporations do. So it's, it's very challenging because our economies, the economy of the globe is based not on the welfare of its citizens, but on consumerism. Well, I think that but, Elon right. and the Elon uh, fan club sort of take a bit of license in that this potentially exploitive behavior is in is in service of moving the globe to sustainable transportation and sustainable energy through battery production mm -hmm. and so yep. i think that elon and tesla has to be very careful on crossing the line of being sort of an exploitative organization that you know, pulls a lot of negative karma in service of that goal. But the China factory was not built, what was built 100% to get the local governmental EV subsidies and be able to sell cars in that market mm -hmm. for a better price because of 
import duties, right? Yes. Which which is which is in and of itself smart, right? At least in that particular instance, right? Tesla, an American company, is building a factory in China to sell products in that market as opposed to bringing those products here, right? So that's a that's a very big difference between what Apple does in China and what Tesla is currently doing in in that in the Asian market, right? So they are they had a need, they they saw a market, they fulfilled that market. So that you could give them a little bit of kudos and and backtrack on a little bit of what I said because again, they're not going there and closing the Fremont factory. They're going there to sell cars in that market. Right. And they're building a factory in Texas to sell cars in this market and a factory in Germany to sell cars in that market. And very few companies are doing stuff like that, right? Yes. And it seems that in building the factories, I don't think they are, uh, you know, working to create dangerous conditions. There have been arguments over the COVID, qual- you know, the, the quality of the, of the, the carefulness around COVID-19. I know there were complaints in Fremont that people were getting hurt, but it's definitely not like these factories you hear about, like in Bangladesh, where the whole goddamn thing goes up in flames because all the exits were locked and everybody died. Yeah. Well, right. But when you're building, you know, anything at that speed, right, the speed that they're building all of those factories in Germany and Texas and in, in China, you know, like, People are going to get hurt, you know, building, doing things at that speed. People are going to get hurt. We don't hear about it, right? We didn't really hear too much about that in China, but you can you can bet it happened. It's easy to get uh, complacent. It's easy to get simplistic about this stuff. You know, cobalt's a great example. So cobalt in Africa, at least a quarter of it is mined by children. It's mined by kids that are sent down these tiny little holes in extraordinarily terrible circumstances um, to dig up this dirt and find cobalt, and often they'll die. And if you ask the families from these areas whether we should stop this terrible abuse of children, they will say no. They'll say no because... My six-year-old that goes down there makes enough money to feed the family of 10. So if you get rid of cobalt mining, 10 people will die. It's, uh, I like the world to be simple, but it's not simple. Now, do I think we should stop sending children down mine shafts and dying? Yep. And should we find a better way to do that? Yep. But for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And um, the world is not so black and white. But I would like to believe, overall, that Tesla's place in the universe will result in much more good than bad. But I don't have any evidence and I don't have any studies to suggest that is true when he's doing work in China and people are being abused there and he's doing work here. I don't know, and it's confusing, but I hope that every company, every person, every entrepreneur, every Elon in the world is trying in the end to just say it's a complicated universe, it's a complicated planet, and I hope that what I do results in more good than bad, and I hope Elon is thinking that. I think he is. 
I think in the end, accelerating uh, renewable energy, the way he is doing it, ultimately will be much better good than bad. But it's super hard, complicated. Hard to say, right? Because, yeah, very hard to say, right? Because could he... Could it be making less money? And 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 this is a this is a tough one, right? Because there, you know, a year ago Tesla was on the verge of bankruptcy, right? We had many many conversations about that, and now they're around, uh, and, and seemingly very very strong. But if they were, you know, able to put out a fifteen thousand dollar car, they'd be selling a ton more of those things, and there'd be that acceleration would be happening a little faster, and their margins would be a little bit smaller. But the inverse aspect would be there'd be more people mining cobalt in a bad way but you know the the thing about places like wherever they're mining cobalt is you know what is their government history right what is like i am sure that those parents would much rather have their own high paying medium paying jobs and be able to go to work and send their kids to school rather than the mines and and why can't they because of Potentially government corruption. What corrupts governments? Corporations corrupt governments in a lot of ways, right? Because that's where the money is. So it, it, it's you know, and every every instance of this is is very individualistic. And this is not really what this show is about. Although it has become this in the last few weeks, for sure, a little bit. And uh, you know, I'll take my level of responsibility for that, which is probably most of it. But there is there is definitely a you know, at some point, the corporations become responsible, right? It's like you have Bezos worth $158 billion and Elon worth $80 billion and Warren Buffett's, you know, stake in Apple alone is worth $100 billion now. But, you know, so it's like when when does that part of it end and the sort of altruism begin? Like when when does it begin? When they die. How, <laughs> how, much, how much concentration is is too much right but then i asked my buddy we were having this conversation about the rockefellers and i believe in the rockefellers time their concentration of wealth was even greater than the current number of like i think rockefeller or, or one of those big one of those big sort of robber barons that we you know all know and love had like 300 billion dollars yes. equivalent Right? It's actually uh, higher in, than that. The estimate time. is four to five hundred billion dollars. So right, yeah, which is there just was a greater concentration insane, of wealth right? back then. And I don't even know what all this is about, but I guess what it's about is the world is complicated. But if you have, if you own a company, if you're rich, and all of us are, try to do the most good you can. Don't try to just maximize wealth. And this is what I've, it's driven me crazy for a long time, that there's been this philosophy that corporations are immoral, amoral, they're outside of morality, and their job is to make profit. And I've been seeing in the last few years a good trend, which is that was a sort of a philosophic thing back in the day, but it should stop. And now the Apples and Bezos and Tesla should have a moral philosophy. And their philosophy should be we should do more good for the planet and for the people than they're not. And yeah. so it's not just about maximizing the stock price. And that's even if you're a corporation, if you believe a corporation is an individual, which the Supreme Court decided, 
now you're a, an individual. Individuals have responsibilities. So your corporation has a responsibility to do good in the world. So try and do that. It's complicated, but try and do that. And yeah, I think, and I think, it, but it's hard because he's got 400,000 plus employees also, right? So that's 400,000 people with, I don't know what percentage of them are, are higher paying jobs or, or, or medium paying jobs or whatever. And obviously people in the warehouses could make more money, but I think, I did the math recently, and I think if he were to just take a hundred billion of his dollars, which seems like it's just a huge amount of money, right, and give it equally to each of his employees or three hundred thousand of his employees, because you got to figure a hundred thousand are high paying, it's like sixteen hundred bucks a person, right? It's not life changing money for each individual. So is he better off? Is is? And I'm not saying he is, but I'm just giving you like another point of view because I'm, I'm trying not to take like a a very black and white aspect of this it's like is he better off continuing to pour money and you know he's worth 138 billion dollars that's on paper they use that money to invest in the company right like and build more and more things and, and amazon's doing things like working in pharmaceuticals by providing massive amounts of supercomputing power to help people do modeling and, and all kinds of things that are potentially making our lives easier. And if it wasn't for Amazon Web Service, the 40% of Americans who are actually still able to do their work remotely, which, you know, is amazing. 25 years ago, 30 years ago in a pandemic, no one can work remotely. Yeah. Right. And the economy is 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 nothing. Right. Like and so that level of progress exists because of visionary people like Bill Gates, like like Steve Jobs, like Jeff Bezos doing stuff where they 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 never sat around going like, well, what we need to do is we need to build this tech infrastructure so we can so we can have this. All these people have the ability to do their work from home. I mean, we're doing this with this recording in three different places via Zoom right that that exists because of all of those other companies right all of those other companies drove so much innovation in the tech space right because they were like wow amazon's worth billions of dollars i'm going to invest some money into the tech sphere and you got uber and, and you go you can plus minus each and every one of those sort of tech advances but they are jobs they are high paying jobs to a to a percentage of their thing so again like you said mel it's it's not black and white it's very very complicated you want people to do the right thing unfortunately it, it's hard to know what the right thing is you know what i'm saying like and that's and that's why capitalism is what capitalism is right yeah it's uh it's super complicated there's certainly industries and people that are evil and about a profit and their product is going to hurt people. The tobacco industry, fuck you. I'm going to continue to sell this. I know it's going to kill you. I'm going to suppress the science and it's going to kill you and it's going to make me and mine very rich. So, the Tesla's, hey Siri, what's Tesla's stock price? Tesla went up just a bit today to $1,487. That's $2 higher. Or 0.13%. Wow. So I think one of the reasons that uh, that Elon sort of justifies their um, strong capitalism type uh, posture where they don't pay a lot to suppliers and they, they really do try and be as conservative as far as expenses as possible is that he says, you know, many employees exercise stock options. I think when you're there for over a year, you get the chance 
to buy stocks and you get to buy it at a much reduced rate. And that is a portion of what you get paid. That's why when initially there were complaints that he was paying people too little per hour to work in the factory, he said, well, but if you if they exercise their stock options, they would actually be making considerably more. Of course, there's also the argument that those folks don't have enough money to buy stocks. They're maxed out and they're just trying to pay for food and uh, their room and board, basically. So I don't want to belabor that whole uh, scenario, but I think that it's part of some misperception on the place of people who sit high up in the pyramid versus those folks who are at the bottom, low end of the pyramid. But I thought it was really impressive over the last week, some of the data that I was collecting on the gigafactories that are coming to fruition, like the Giga Berlin factory. I was uh, looking at this table that I included in the show notes, and it's from a guy named Tobias Lind on Twitter, who uh, I he found he found his way into my feed, or I found him in my feed, and he has placed a timeline of Shanghai from the time the local company was established, like they first had Tesla China established, to when they first delivered cars. And that was from May 8th, 2018 to January 2020, so less than two years. And then he laid this against the progress in Germany, where November 2019, November 15th is when they established the Berlin or the German Tesla company. And if you look at the timelines, when they sign an agreement or contract was signing, when leveling of the ground started, when the land transfer occurred, when the groundbreaking occurred, when the first concrete pillar was uh, created and the first interior walls, basically Tesla Giga Berlin is considerably ahead of schedule compared to Shanghai. And I thought that was quite impressive. In fact, it's probably 20, between 20 and 30% faster build based on the fact that by July 15th, they already had their first interior walls going up, uh, which, you know, the next thing will be when they get equipment in there and they start producing cars, you know, like uh, gauging and adjusting all the equipment for building cars. And I thought that was very impressive. So the thought, I think, before I saw this was that, of course, it's going to take longer to do things in Germany than it would take in the United States and certainly longer than in China. But that does not seem to be the case. Well, yeah, because I think they're learning. They're learning every time, right? Elon even said that, like every factory they build, they learn how to build them better. They're they're not complacent. They're not sitting there being like, all right, we did this, just do it again. They're like, we did this, let's make it better. Let's do it faster. It'll be real curious to see how they're able to do that again in, in Texas, in Austin. Yeah, Robert, that's a, it's, it's a really important point because they're saying they're like making this modular. I thought, like you, that China was like a standard deviation away from what they could do anywhere else. But now they're saying, no, we can do this in other places. So I thought Berlin would be like four years. But they're saying we've modularized this. Is that a word? Yeah. We can do this faster in Berlin than we did in China, than we did in the US. 
And then if you look at the pictures of how big these factory sites are, I thought that the American site was going to be the biggest. But now when you look at Berlin and Texas, it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's why they're now talking about Penta, not Gigafactory. Texas, is, Texas they're talking about, is in America. They're talking about Penta-sized. <laughs> is Texas in America? I'm not so sure. Ask the Mexicans. Yeah. There was a yes whole thing no. about that. Yes and no. It's been, it isn't. It threatened to go out a few times. But according to Tobias, the first deliveries on his timeline are predicted to be, and I think we bet on this, gentlemen. I think we bet on this. And you know what? That's correct. We'll all be wrong because according to his timeline, it's considerably sooner. I think we said it was going to be like end of 2021. Yeah, December. November, something like that. 2021, yeah. yeah. He says July 16, 2021. Right, which is basically just around 18 months yeah. from groundbreaking. It's like one right? year from now. 18 months, yeah. which is impressive. But I guess the real question is, what, is that, what does that mean in Texas, right? Does that mean batteries, sleds? Well, that was Germany. Uh, stamping. I'm sorry. What does that mean in Germany? Does it mean batteries, sleds, stamping, all being made from there? Or does that mean... And like 50% of the parts being made in Germany until they're able to get their rest of their production sort of orientation going locally, or are they going to be bringing in giant cargo containers of cells and putting them together there? Like, what is it that they're going to be able to really do? And I, I think that's maybe a better milestone or a better metric for us to kind of look at like what level of production are they going to be able to do in that time frame right i mean is it going to be like when they brought out the x and it was like uh you know they delivered six of them and then it was three months until any others showed up well but you can look at nevada right where nevada they've yet to produce uh they don't produce cars in nevada No, they don't right they produce batteries and they produce sleds in nevada and they produce uh do they even produce drivetrains in? I think they produce motors. Motors in like in, the drive unit, right? Yeah, so that, that counts. But, but still, you know, I agree. When will they be up to you know significant production of five thousand a week in Germany? That's a good question, and I yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And now moving on to Tesla, Giga Texas or Giga Austin, they've been kicking into overdrive. And there's a very... Cyber factory, I like to refer to it as. Cyber factory. Yeah. So there's a guy, Joe Tegtemeyer, Tegtemeyer, who started up a YouTube channel just within the last week or so, or maybe three weeks, where he has a drone and he keeps going out there and he keeps flying over Texas. And so I pulled from a couple different articles. There's a Tesla Roddy article that talks about the size of the Texas Gigafactory, and that is the largest by far of all the Gigafactories. Now, to be clear, uh, Giga Nevada is actually larger, but most of it is mountains, and it's unlikely that that area is going to be leveled in a way, not until, I don't know, uh, another 100 years comes forward and they can actually terraform on a grand scale, but it's not going to get significantly larger than the footprint we are already familiar with. They might throw windmills out there and they might throw solar panels out there, but the factory itself is going to be a fraction of the size of Texas, 
which in this uh, Teslarati article, they took like satellite views of the actual land owned by Tesla. And Texas is probably four to six times larger than either Nevada or Berlin. And, uh, and they also threw down the Tesla factory Fremont, which is about the same size as Shanghai. And then there's the New York factory that they show, which is basically making superchargers and solar. And then Tilburg, which is in the Netherlands, where they sort of technically assemble the cars for Europe at this point so that they can skip a bunch of duties. But all they basically do is marry the battery and I think the motors to the rest of the car. Does Tilburg close when Berlin opens or do they do SX final assembly at Tilburg? Probably SX final assembly, yeah, to avoid tariffs. And that way, uh, because they're only going to build S and X here in Fremont. So I thought that was a really... Until, until they're not. Until they move on to the next cars. Yeah, I don't know. Or they, yeah, what will happen to S and X? We don't know. But this, uh, I thought this graphic was really useful. And it was really great to watch uh, this guy, Joe's videos. And basically the crews there are working seven days a week and they are moving a ton of earth because there's a really wide variance in the altitude or the, the terrain on this 2000 acre site. I would say there's easily 60 to 80 foot high areas that basically a hill, maybe even more, maybe 120 foot. And they're moving this stuff all around and there's a bunch of like wet zones and almost looked like there was a bit of a landslide in one of the pictures when he was going through, but it's very cool to see. And I noticed on the map, because I took a look at the Google view, that so handy that this land is right next to a Martin Marietta green ready mix cement plant. It's like literally next door. And then down the street a little bit was a Lone Star Asphalt Company. How made to order is that? Pretty cool. That's very conveniently located. Yeah. There's a little bit in this, uh, one of these articles I pulled out about how they got a pretty significant uh, tax break from the Austin School District, uh, that they're going to save something like $68 million, roughly, in taxes. Right. But after 10 years, they're going to have to pony up unless they cut some other deal. And uh, it's going to end up costing them about $10 million a year in school taxes, which I thought that's pretty cool. I mean... Right. But here's an example, right? Here's a perfect example of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? So this tax break comes out of the Austin school district, right? Yes. Uh, they're paying $10 million a year, lowered from $78 million a year. So we're talking Actually, about that 60, ten, 10 year, I think that's for the 10 year period, but still. 10 year, they're paying 10 million. Right. Not 10 million a year, but 10 million total. Yeah, I think that's a 10 for the next 10 years, they're going to pay 10 and a half million instead of 78 and a half million. All right. So, okay, 68 billion, 68 million dollars not going to the Texas school district. Now, I don't know what if that whoever owned that land was paying the 78 million. No way. That's a, that's I think this has to do with sort of the improvements on the property. Because if you right. look at the price that they say they paid four hundred and thirty-two million, that's uh, I think it's two thousand. I think I missed a zero. I think it's two two thousand two hundred thousand dollars an acre. It's huge. I mean, that's a lot of money for unimproved land. Yeah, if you just 
Is it two hundred thousand? Two hundred dollars per acre. My bad, I didn't put the K wow. in there. But that's a, that's big, a number. big number. So I think that these numbers that they're yeah. quoting in this Austin uh, newspaper article were for the improvements that are coming to the land, and Tesla basically got all of that expunged, and they're just paying it right. on this much lower amount. But come the end of ten years. Tesla's going to have to pony up a a bunch more money. Uh, but again, I think that the jobs that Tesla are going to offer are not only uh, pretty lucrative, but they're also, you know, clean. And they're also, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, we were talking about safety, not safety. But I don't think it's going to be a bad place to work. So, No, I mean, again, it just depends. I, you know, it's like anything. It's a factory. It's It's inherently there's some danger involved in, in that type of work. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll do it as well as they can do it. And hopefully it will generate a lot of income tax for the area. I mean, Texas doesn't have income tax, right? Like, uh, salary income tax. So all of their revenues come from property and, and sales taxes and stuff like that. So it is a little bit more complicated in, in some ways, but There'll be, you know, hopefully better jobs, more spending. Austin will hopefully get some, you know, overall bump in in general GDP sort of stuff out of it. And and then obviously, hopefully, Tesla will be able to sell more vehicles. Right, right. at the end of the day, that's what we want. And and hopefully, they'll that will allow them to make Cybertruck and allow them to actually make Semi. Right, they need to make those two vehicles to to get to the next level of what you know, Tesla wants to do, right? It's like you start producing a hundred thousand semis a year, you're going to be starting to make a big difference, right? In, in a lot of places. And we've talked about that on this show a lot, right? Where you're going to, you're going to make a big difference in just like the, the air quality in places like Los Angeles, San Pedro, Long Beach, Oakland, you know, Galveston, any of these port cities where there's a lot of semis. If this, if, if it works, and there's no reason to think that it won't work, right? Because this is about economics, pure economics. Right. Uh, make a truck, make it last a million miles, make it cheap to operate. Uh, thank you very much. I will take one of those, you know, like it is literally, it's very different than buying a family vehicle, right? Which is not necessarily profitable. It is, if the math works, I will take them all, right? And so like, and if you but take them all and you get the, the diesel trucks off the road, you have cleaner, you have cleaner air, you have cleaner, you know, up and down the line and they need another factory to do that. They can't do it in Fremont, right? They doesn't help us for them to do it in China and bring them over here. Really. It doesn't help right. us build them where they, them. where they're needed, right? Build them where they're needed. Right. And, and so that is huge and, and Cybertruck, right? Which even today, Elon, and I don't really know, where this came from sort of came out of nowhere. Like he claims to have 200,000 orders, but he started to hedge a little bit in the last couple of days. Right. He's, he's like, well, if it turns out people don't like it, you know, we'll just, we'll just slap a normal looking truck on it. That'll be easy for us. He also talked about making a smaller that, version for Europe. Yeah. Well, it would have, he would almost have to right, for Europe yeah. to make like a, I liked him have him bring back like the little Toyota mini truck style. Mm -hmm. Uh, electric vehicle i think that would be super awesome and, and like totally practical 
just a just a straight up like little pickup truck. It doesn't need to have all the bells and whistles, right? It's like make the thing accessible, make the small sedan, make the smaller uh, crossover, make the small pickup truck, make them for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and sell fifty million of them, right? We've talked about this many, many times. We got three hundred million cars to replace, right? Like we need to make a lot. Make of them. the everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make the everything because because no one else is doing it. They're not. I don't care. Like GM's not doing it. Ford's not doing it. They're just not doing it. Yeah. I don't care what they say, right? They're not they're not currently building uh three factories around the world, right? right. Like that that that's not happening <laughs> anywhere, right? So like put your money where your mouth is, yep. right? Talk is cheap. I believe Mel has left this it show. It seems as though he so has you know. checked out. I don't know if he passed out, yeah, but I he was very tired. don't see his head anymore. He's asleep. So there'll be no goodbye. So um, we have a couple more. I haven't left the show, but I'm basically left the show. I'm so tired. I'm so done. Continue. I thought you were going. That's fine. So what? So uh, I was going to say that uh, Tesla, (laughs) Mel Mel here, Mel gone. Uh, Tesla uh, is opening up another center, a gallery in Texas. And I was reading this article in Electric Wondering if the Texas Gigafactory is going to skew the the prohibition of Tesla being sold in Texas, which I know is a big market for them. Especially if they start selling trucks, right? Like, Yes. So Tesla is expanding its sales, or at least its gallery, in Texas and El Paso. And I'm looking forward to them being able to do more in Texas, uh, especially, like you say, for the truck. And then the last article that I pulled before, we'll talk about, uh, uh, well, actually, no, it's not the last, but maybe it will be, is that Tesla has now modified the Model Y and maybe will be modifying the Model 3 in a small... I want this button. I want this button. In a small but definitely important way. I want this. You want button. the button, and I don't want. And I and I love that Mark from RPM Tesla made a a button sticker, but I want the button from Tesla. I want the that to be on the Tesla website, and I want that to be a Ranger uh, upgrade uh, install upgrade. Fifty bucks, two hundred bucks, whatever it is, have them come out, throw that bad boy in my yeah, car. Yeah, so, so it's basically. The opening button is like a silhouette of the vehicle from above with the door open instead of it just being like, what is it now? Just a white a line. A white line, which nobody knows what the F that is. So, yeah. so many people that doesn't mean anything. reach toward the, so we're talking about Model 3 and Model Y. So many people who don't, aren't familiar with the car, don't know the car, will reach to the forward section of the armrest and they'll pull this lever which is unmarked, but it's in a place that makes perfect sense for a door opener. And in fact, in the front seats, it does open the door, but it's only intended to be an emergency opening. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily drop the window glass appropriately. So if you use that and open the door or close it right away, you could jack the glass. In other words, scratch the molding you could knock it off of its tr- its uh, tread so it pops out of the window uh, track and so what tesla has now changed and it's now showing up in model y is this new graphic on the door opening button and what i like more about mark's 
sticker is that it glows in the dark. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Again, like if you want this and you're and you don't want to wait for Tesla to figure out if they're going to retrofit cars and be able to make enough of them to retrofit cars, give Mark a call, RPM Tesla, nine bucks, two sets of glow in the dark stickers for the front and the back. Yeah. And then you will have, uh, you know, all of the sort of awesomeness of the new icon of how to open the door. Your passengers will be a little, much less confused because. Again, it looks like a car with an icon with a door open, exactly what it should look like, infographic that actually tells you what the info is. Um, and obviously, we love Mark, and we love the work that those guys are doing. And uh, tell them uh, you heard it from us at Old Talking Tesla if you want. And if you want to spend 9 bucks and send Robert a yes. set, he'll put them on his Model I S. Totally will try this on my, on my Model 3 for sure. And you're three. Sorry. You're three. So how, how one, one autopilot story, Tom, how has your autopilot <laughs> been performing at giveaway signs? Well, I don't have the same level of autopilot going, so this isn't an issue. In, in terms of giveaway signs, <laughs> what you're speaking of is like a yield sign. <laughs> um, and my guess is it doesn't work very well at the moment. I don't think it was working um, at all uh, earlier. And uh, honestly, uh, it took me a few minutes to figure out what the heck a giveaway sign is. Because we use mm -hmm. we use the term yield here. And we have a uh -huh. yellow yield sign. And then I realized it actually looks very similar, at least the shape, for the English giveaway sign, which is a yield sign which they put on all of these roundabouts. And evidently, the Tesla autopilot system has not been paying attention to these things. So earlier, before the last few updates, you'd have to really be on the on the ball when you come up to a roundabout so that you would know and could take over to coordinate the giveaway. And so mm -hmm. Andy at Yield, we're gonna I'm gonna speak, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna translate this. It's a yield sign <laughs> and a and a traffic circle. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we, we round, well, although I guess it's for us, it's a yield sign and a roundabout. And for them, it's a giveaway sign and a traffic circle. Is that kind of how it works? Regardless, it's a round thing where you get in and out of traffic and can turn and a yield thing slash giveaway thing where you have to kind of be, I don't know, a nice member of society and, and, and take, take turns, be, be civil. Responsible. Uh -huh. So Andy at uh, this uh, at uh, the Twitter at Tesla, Tesla Torque sent me this link to his YouTube. And we get a lot of these things that I don't always pay attention to. I look at them, I'm like, eh. But he actually did some pretty serious uh, testing. Uh, he had a friend of his hold up a homemade giveaway sign on the side of the road. And boom, all of a sudden, the Tesla's throwing a line, a limit line down and slowing down. And it was really good. He did some pretty serious uh, testing, but it was definitely fallible. And uh, you still, it's still like a bit of a teenager driving and not paying attention to the, the giveaway. So this brings up a very interesting thing. Okay, imagine yourself. You're 25 years old. You're in New York City. You're enjoying a couple of lovely weeks in New York City. It's raining, and you're trying to hail a taxi. And, you know, they just drive by you. Whoosh, 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 right? Now, fast forward 20 years, 
all the taxis are robos. It's raining. You put your hand up. You can't get a taxi. Unfold your stop sign. Boom. Put it up. They'll just stop right there. Everybody (laughs) stops. Get in. You get in the car and you drive. I've already started designing a, a series of umbrellas. That on the top of the umbrella have either a giveaway sign or a stop sign just to screw with all the automated cars. Pedestrian crossing, you could do all just sorts of things. Put up the stop sign that, and right? bam, stop nine lines of uh, nine lanes of may, traffic. We may have actually just created a million dollar idea. Let's do let's let's end this show very, very quickly here. Supercharger update. I'm not gonna interrupt you like Mel interrupts you with the supercharger update. So Work your magic. It's what everybody tunes in every week for. What's the supercharger update, Rob? All right. So we have nine new open superchargers. Five of them are the high capacity 250 kilowatt. Three are in the United States. One is in Italy. One in the Netherlands. One in Canada. Spain. France. And do 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 the first supercharger in Iceland. Reykjavik. Yes, in Reykjavik. It's got four stalls because there's, I don't know, I guess there's not a lot of need for superchargers in Iceland other than it gets butt cold in Iceland. So come wintertime, your car ain't going to go very far. They have. Yeah. I mean, it's no, it's no Greenland. That's it's for sure. no it's Greenland. Iceland. <laughs> 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 but the Danish is good. And so they have four yeah. more planned in Iceland. Yeah. No, Danish. Danish. Yeah. Okay. They have four more planned around the island, and uh, I thought that was Mm -hmm. a big, big plus. There's uh, 11 under construction, which is quite a few, and that's very very exciting in this COVID time that they got through the permits and everything, and nine more superchargers in the permit phase. This is all since we last met on July 23rd. How about some uh, media pics there? Thomas? So I discovered a show that's been on the air for three years. I believe it started on the Paramount Network. I never, I've never heard of it, had never heard of it, but apparently it's been very highly rated. So I've been in a hole. It's called Yellowstone. It's basically Dynasty on a cattle ranch is the best way to kind of think about it, but they're much more evil. (laughs) There's a fair amount of nudity, a lot of fighting. It's like cowboys and killing <laughs> and politics but it's really beautiful it's really an interesting look into what's probably a ha- six of one half dozen of the other truth i don't know what the deal is there's there's uh you know life on on native american reservations is 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 part of it you have all kinds of really great storylines happening i highly recommend it you have to unfortunately a pay to watch it. So you have to subscribe to Peacock. If you're a binge watcher, you could probably get away with the $5 one month trial on Peacock. Watch those two seasons and then watch the third season on Paramount. I watched the first season in like two and a half, three nights, like nine episodes or something like that. Uh, Probably one of the reasons I didn't get any sleep last night, but I've been, I've been, uh, I've been really enjoying that one. It's, it's, it's quite good. All right. That's it. Just that one. If, that's, a, that's it for today. No, I'll put that down. We'll see. I'm curious. I am going to say, though, thank you, Tom, because I picked one of your 
recommendations. It wasn't a media pick since it was old, but I was talking about going backpacking and getting into that again. And you had recommended Bill Bryson's Into the Woods, which I've since discovered is even a movie with uh, Robert Redford and uh, uh, Nick Nolte. But the book itself was a real hoot. I really loved it. Uh, It's called Into the Woods. It's about uh, this middle 40-year-old author deciding that he wanted to tackle the Appalachian Trail, which is quite a long hike of some, you know, 2,000 plus miles up the East Coast from Georgia to Maine to Mount Catadon. And uh, uh, it sounds like it would be a great walk. So I'd be interested in doing it. I actually started his another one of his books. He's quite a prolific writer and quite a good writer. It's called At yeah. Home. And uh, I guess he had yeah. decided that taking adventures all over the world and living these various stories, uh, uh, I think he wanted to just hang out at home for a little bit. And that's exactly what he did, writing a book all about things that happened around the home and how that shaped society yeah, and our world. Yeah, he's he's written you know, a whole bunch of books and, uh, he is just a really, a a great writer. Um, and I really do appreciate uh, the work, you know, the, the work that he puts into it. He's also done a short history of nearly everything is another one of Mm -hmm. his books. So, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff coming out of that brain. And it's interesting because he doesn't necessarily kind of focus on one thing. He has written, you know, so many kind of varied books, um, yeah, they're all over and, the map. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good dude. Sort of like Crack Hour in a certain way, who writes a lot of different kind of right. adventure right. type stuff. Well, it's so, cool to see um, someone like him have such a grasp over so many different, you know, topics and and interesting mm-hmm. uh, stories, and he weaves so much into even a simple or what we think would be a simple story of the. Uh, the hike that he wanted to take. So it's uh, a new month. That means it's, you know, you can use one of our, like the referral code Robert 3177. But I think technically this month might actually be your referral code, Tom. Is it mine or is it Mel's? Well, Mel's not here and his code's not in this document. And it, no, his month is September. He always gets the end of the month. Let's let it, he gets the end of he gets every end quarter. Yeah, so That's he, he's cool. he's can, gonna bag this so seriously. But he's still terrible at getting referrals because yeah. for whatever. Well, reason. I had so one. I think I'm gonna defer. I'm gonna defer mine. I'm gonna give you this one again. So Robert three one seven seven, and I'm gonna take September, and we're gonna see Whoa. what happens. Because well, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. He can't. He's not here. He's not. His screen is still on. He's probably asleep on the floor because he has to wait for us to finish so we can like send him the files or whatever. True that. Yes. Even though I don't send them to him, I send them to EJ directly because I don't. I don't need Mel. Right. He's um, only got the backup for, in case we screw up. Right. So it's Robert three one seven seven. This. Yeah, month. I think so, because uh, doesn't Mel doesn't really need a roadster, right? I don't even know if he can reach the pedals on the roadster. Yeah. Do you think he could? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> wow. Wow. That is that is very harsh. I like it. Well, I'm going to thank very nicely, I'm going to thank Stephen very nicely. Stephen ordered a uh, a Tesla using my code last month on the 27th, just within like seven days or eight days. So. 
Good on you, Stephen. Delivered? No, it's not delivered yet. It's just ordered. But uh, go on out there. Get yourself a Tesla. They're a great car. You know that. And uh, if you bought any Tesla stock, you you know can probably cash out your Tesla stock and the car is like discounted with the price of the stock, which, God, I wonder what's going to happen with this stock. What is going to happen? It seems like it's recession-proof, pandemic-proof. It's... Uh, well, it's not really pandemic proof if they close factories, right? Like that's the only right. like that it's it's not a remote company, right? It can't be a remote company and succeed. Well, um, so there definitely there definitely is that, you know, like hurricanes, any of that type of stuff could, supply could definitely chain impact ups, it. But yeah. you know, I think they've got, you know, four factories. They'll have four factories at some point around the world, so they'll they're they're there's obviously some positivity, right? They, they internally, they see good things yeah. or they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be leveraging, putting this level of investment out there. They, they're well on their way to their hundred gigafactory, you know, to, to rule the world kind of situation. And, and we'll see, time will tell. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this for a long time from the very, very, you know, not the nascent beginning of Tesla, but you know, since most people have been hearing about Tesla, we've been doing this show and they've been uh, making mistakes, but doing some incredible stuff at the same time. And we'll continue to, uh, you know, wax philosophic about it and, and make fun of one another and, and move forward. So I will, uh, I will see you in a couple of weeks, Robert. I appreciate all the listeners out there, everybody who sends us messages via Twitter, uh, we don't read them. Uh, anybody who sends us messages via Facebook, we for sure don't read those. Um, no, I'm kidding. We do, but very, very rarely. Um, I blame EJ mostly for not paying attention to that stuff. I feel like it's probably her fault. Somebody, somebody besides us should be doing it. Uh, that's, that's all I know. Um, uh, but Robert, I appreciate your uh, putting together this document. If anybody has any problems with the content of this show, Contact uh, at Robert Rosenblum. <laughs> now, now be gentle because he's out there every day risking his life on the front lines trying to save people from, from, from COVID. So he, he may be a little delirious to a certain extent and, and, and in, unable to put together a decent show, to be yeah. honest with you. But it's hard to know. This one seemed pretty good overall, had a lot of spacey stuff, and, and we, uh, we got into like, deep capitalistic conversation. So, you know, good on you, Robert. Good, good work, buddy. Well, have a great week, Tom. I know you're going to the mountains. That's right. 10,000 feet of social distancing. Get away from me. Well, people. the air is even thinner up there with a lot more UV. So the COVID can't live as well. <laughs> that's why I'm going there. Yeah. Cause I'm, uh, I'm going to cleanse myself in the UVs. Yeah. Well, that's so yeah, it'll be fun. We'll see you in a couple weeks and uh, keep out, keep listening. And remember, Robert 3177, buy a Tesla, buy 100 Teslas, buy 500 Teslas. If you buy 500, then use my code. <laughs> Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think there's a referral program anymore, but what the hell? Like, it comes up on my phone. I don't know if that means I could get a, uh, there's, a uh, Roadster or there's not. There's free but, supercharging. Hey, there's free supercharging involved in it's it. It's true. I believe, is what and I have a friend who just bought a Tesla and I said, oh, you used my referral code. And he went, oh, should I have done that? I was like, well, <laughs> no, you could have canceled. All right, Robert. All right, guys. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. Bye, Mel. Talking Tesla out. Out.
Bye, Melvis. Why are you so short? <laughs> Australian. <laughs>